0: We believe that these two days will present divine revelation straight from heaven. We believe that you will leave here refreshed and empowered to accomplish all that God has for you. Now, stay tuned for some important information. When you registered, you received a welcome folder. In this folder, you will find a number of items, including your renewal forms. This year, we are providing you with two ways of completing your renewal one you may fill out these forms and turn them back into our registration table before you leave or two you can go to the link on this card and complete the form online renewal forms are due by december 31st in order to avoid an additional renewal fee during this year's ministers conference make sure to check out the awesome product that we have available especially for you if you want to add to your library we have individual sale items as well as bundled items There are three minister's manuals available for a bundled price of $75, normally $30 each. We encourage you to go home with these items that will prove extremely useful for discipleship training and help you to continue to fuel your faith throughout the year. These are also great resources to use to develop your people and will allow you to learn alongside them. Also available are the Prosperity and Success Manuals, Volume 1 and 2 for $70, And 13 mini books to choose from. Feel free to mix and match. If you buy 10, you get one free. Don't miss out on these special offers.
1: My life has been filled with extraordinary things. And everyone that is participating here will experience that same manifestation of the anointing, creating, more and greater, in-depth, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of God, not only in their ministries, but in their personal lives as well. Extraordinary financial blessings, extraordinary manifestations of favor in the name of Jesus extraordinary manifestations of healings and miracles and deliverances in the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And your life from this day forward is going to be filled with extraordinary things.
2: for the extraordinary. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Man, what an awesome time we had this morning. And you know, uh, how many people believe Dr. Sedell is a man of wisdom, right? He's a man that's led by the Holy Ghost, right? Amen. Well, there were some adjustments I'd had with, with the schedule. Brother Moore was supposed to be with us this afternoon, and uh, there were some things that he needed to get back for. Um, but as he prayed over what needed to take place today, he, he instructed us to go to a, a certain direction. And I want to read a scripture to you as we get into this, uh, this afternoon. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, So you, my son, be strong in the grace that is to be found only in Christ Jesus. And in the instructions which you have received from me, along with many witnesses, transmit and entrust as a deposit to reliable and faithful men who be competent and qualified to teach others also. You know, Dr. Sewell had in his heart for, uh, for us to ask three different um, pastors to come up and, and speak some things into our lives that may give you direction. It may be where you might be at the moment. It may answer some questions you might have. It may inspire you, but I believe the men that, that, that we agreed upon are, are faithful men. Not, there's, not that you're not a faithful man, but these are the things that are placed on God's heart, right? And, and so we believe that he's led by God. And so I believe as we open our hearts, we're going to receive some wisdom that will cause us to go for the extraordinary, amen, do you believe that? Amen. I'm so glad to be a part of this company. Amen. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful for the body of Christ, but, but I'm grateful for this com- company. I'm grateful for my, uh, my con- our connection with Dr. Savelle you know, and I'm so grateful for this connection and I'm so grateful to be connected with you as well. So at, at this time, I'm going to ask Pastor Jack Pigeon if you could come up and, and share some things with us. I mean, give, give Pastor Jack a hand. Amen. Now, how many years have you been pastoring? Uh, 35, 35 years. Well, we open our hearts Thank to receive you. some wisdom from you.
3: What a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Well, I just want to go back and, uh, Before I can tell you where we are right now, I need to go back to 1977 when we met all of these crazy people. Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle, Jerry Duplantis, Keith Morse, Keith Butler, Bill Winston, Creflo Dollar, Dennis Burke, Happy Caldwell, Mark Barkley, Rick Renner, Oral Roberts. Catherine Kuhlman had the longest finger I'd ever seen. Did you ever, did you ever, when it was, and, and God had three syllables and my wife, we were at home, and this is back in the seventies, and my wife at nighttime, you know, you only had one TV with three channels. And we'd be sitting there and she'd say, Honey, could we watch Katherine Kuhlman tonight? And I'm saying, Oh, okay. And and we'd sit on the couch and Catherine Kuhlman would put that finger and she'd say, And God. And she'd point it at me, and I just I just kinda I just kinda <laughs> I just kind of moved. But anyway, we were so blessed. This all started in 1977. Mary Jean and I both got uh, saved. We grew up. I was in the drug culture. As a young man, I was drugged to church. Uh, in the, in the... <laughs> and, uh, But Brother Keith mentioned something today, and it really didn't make sense until today, that he talked about pride. In 1977, I was probably the most proudful man there was. I was doing great in the insurance business, and we attended a church. I tipped God with a dollar every once in a while. And we had this little Sunday school class church, and they they asked us, uh, somebody had found out about a, a church on the other side of town that went and picked up street people and got them off the streets and then took them out there and fed them, and would we like to go out there and feed them on a Sunday night? And I'm just thinking, wow, man, I'll get jewels in my crown for doing something good like that. And so, three couples went out there one Sunday night, and my wife cooked uh, chicken all day. And so, we go out there. And I mean, these are street people, these are men. They're, they're 18 to, uh, there was one man named Pops, <clears throat> he was about 60. And they were not my kind of people. I'm not used to being around people like that. I had just bought a new Lincoln, and no matter when we drove up to the church, I parked it where I could see it. I didn't want nobody messing with my car. And we sat there, and, and we met these guys, that I'm, I'm thinking, dear Jesus, get me out of here. And so we did it, and I really felt good. Man, look what we did, and that was, that was to be it. Well, next Sunday night, three other couples were supposed to go, and one of them canceled out. So they said, would the pigeons go back? I don't want to go back. Not again. So we went back and uh, they're still ugly and they're still sneaky and they're smelly. And I'm sitting there looking at my card, make sure nothing happens to it. So we finish and we come back and I'm going, wow, I get double jewels in my crown. And uh, the third time someone canceled out and they said, would the pigeons go back? So this time we took our, our three kids and they were all very young and and we sat there, and, and I, I got to know some of the guys. One guy was named Archie Jack. One night, one guy was named Bobby, and there was Pops. Pops had to be the ugliest white man I'd ever seen in my life. He had every other tooth was missing. He had a scar from here all the way down across his nose. He'd been on the street for five years. He had lost his family. He had lost everything. And so we, we kind of knew these guys. And so that particular night they decided to have a bless-me service. And uh, I didn't know what a bless-me I was a Methodist. I didn't know what a bless-me service was. And so the pastor, he did, and he said, does anybody have a prayer request? Well, here I am looking at my car, and uh, my grandmother, uh, Pigeon, had fallen in, in a nursing home in Austin and broke her hip. And nobody said anything, and I'm kind of looking around. Now, And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be cool. I'm going to have them pray for my grandmother. And so I said, yeah. I said, Pastor, yeah. My grandmother fell and broke her hip. I'd like for you to pray for my grandmother. Well, if you grew up in the Methodist church, the only person that prayed was the preacher. Nobody else prayed. Nobody else said anything. And so I'm looking to the preacher to pray for my grandmother. And uh, he looked at the ugliest white man there, Pops. And he said, Pops. I want you to pray for Sister Pigeon. I almost stood up and walked out. I was so mad. That means not going to pray for my grandmother. Good night. You're going to ask this bum? I'm I'm saying that to myself. You're going to have him pray for my grandmother? And Pop stood up. And he said, Lord... I just lift up Sister Pitcher and I would just ask that you touch her right where she is. And every bit of pride that I had in my life left. And God came on me and my life was changed. Amen. And I appreciate our preacher today talking about how, because that changed my life, because it's in the same year that we started meeting all these crazy Pentecostal, charismatic, foot stomping, hand clapping talking people. I thank God for that. I thank God for Pops. Pops passed away, and I found out about it, but he, I just prayed for, I'm so glad he prayed that prayer for my grandmother. But we started meeting everybody in 1977. I was in the insurance business, and a scripture that I had been, Mary Jean and I were involved in our church, was Luke chapter 5, and I had, I had, Preached it upside down, we're backwards, forward. Jesus, early in his ministry, came up to the lake of Gennesaret. Crowd was so strong, they pushed him to the shore. And he said, Peter, can I borrow your boat? And Peter said, it's not doing me any good, Lord. Jump in it. And they said, Jesus got in the boat, sat down, and began to teach the people. I think in verse 6, he turned around to Peter and he said, Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a mighty catch. And, of course, Peter did everything that I had always done in my entire life. I came back with excuses why I couldn't do it. Peter said, we fished all night. We know how to fish. You don't know how to fish. We know how to fish. It, but he said, nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless. <laughs> and I had, I had just preached that, and I had preached it. 1984, I had done a Sunday school class, and, and we're driving home, and I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, that's for you. I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. I was in the insurance business. I had been very successful. And so we resigned. I sold my agency. I had enough money to live on for about nine months. And my wife kept saying, what are we going to do now? I said, I don't know. All I heard was to launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Mary Jean and I had, uh, we had both been married previously. Uh, I had a bad marriage. She had a bad marriage. My son is a result of my bad marriage. Thank you, Jesus, for my son. <laughs> and uh, you can't be divorced and be a, a, a licensed minister in the Assemblies of God. And we were in the Assemblies of God. And she said, what are we going to do? I said, babe, I don't, I don't know, but God's going to do something. And we had a little Bible study that we were doing Anyway. The pastor of this very large church came and asked me to be on staff at this church. I said, now, pastor, you realize, you know, we both are tainted. We've been divorced. And he said, well, I know that, but God's told me to put you on staff at this church. And so we became a a licensed minister for the assemblies of God for five years. And then Luke 5 came up again, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a mighty catch." i'm very secure at the church i have insurance i have a salary i have three sons that same probably have that same car and uh and but the lord said launch out and so we resigned and uh uh, we just waited on the lord we went to a strongman conference in phoenix arizona and mary Jean said "Uh, uh, what are we going to do and i said well god's going to speak to us while we're there and uh we went there and I didn't hear anything. And we're driving back, and Mary Jean said, "What? So what are we going to do?" And I said, yeah, "I don't. God's going to talk to us." But then God spoke to me, and He said, "I want you to start West Houston Christian Center. I want you to start a church." And I said, "Okay. How do we do that?" He said, "You put out chairs and you preach." And I said, "Lord, what do you preach?" He said, "You preach Mark. I mean, Luke chapter five. Launch out in the deep, and let down your net." So in our living room was sixteen people. In October of 1989, we, uh, we started West Houston Christian Center. And uh, we just celebrated 30 years. And uh, my wife and I just stepped down as senior pastors and installed our son and daughter-in-law as senior pastors. We built a, uh, uh, when we were 10 years, the church was 10 years old in 1989. God blessed us and we were able to buy a piece of property for $900,000, pay cash for it. And we built a $2 million facility uh, and started making payments. Everybody understand payments? $20,000 a month. And uh, when we moved into our new building, we were 300 strong, 300. And we moved into We were going to move into this. We're building a building. We're going to move into it. And uh, and uh, they say, does everybody have a bunch of they's in your life, people that they say? Well, they told us. They said, this is what's going to happen, Pastor. Uh, you're going to go in with 300. Within six months, you'll have 600 and by the end of the new year, you'll have another. You'll have nine hundred people by the end of the year. They say we moved in, and six months later, we were down to two hundred people. And you know what the excuse was? It's too nice. We lost a lot of people because in the other building it was elbow to elbow, and you couldn't. If you raised your hand, you hit the ceiling, and it was. And this building's Big and nice and beautiful. So I had I had to find out, Lord, what in the world happened? And maybe this is for someone here today. But I I, I called a prophet friend of mine and I, and I told him the situation. I said I need to know what what went wrong, what 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 has happened that we went from three hundred to a hundred, and and that twenty thousand it was really manageable with three hundred, but now we're down to two hundred and and they still want their twenty thousand dollars every month. And so I asked him to pray about it, and he prayed, and he came back, and he said, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, when you built your church, you built it with pioneers. You built it with people. You had a vision. You had something before them, and they were excited, and uh, they were pioneers. And uh, I said, yeah. And he said, what's well, happened? And, boy, this, is, this was my fault, and, boy, I hope you hear me today. He said, when you didn't continue your vision, your pioneers left, and settlers came in. See, we had, a, we had, a, we had a, a plan, a master plan, and then we had master plan two and master plan three. I was so excited with plan one. I never looked and showed them two and three, and that's what my son's going to do. The new, the Lord showed me just the other day what happened in our situation. It's like a, a Coke bottle. You ever shake it up and then take the top off? This is what the Lord showed me. He said, "What's happened in this transition is you're the cap." And because you've been taken off, it's now going to spew. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we're in a, we're in a good place. But anyway, we did all this, and uh, we've got this twenty thousand dollar note, and uh, we're making it. You know, does everybody know this? <laughs> my accountant would my accountant would come in and say, Pastor, well, which ones do you want to pay this month? <laughs> And, and we always did it we we were always there we had this presbyterian banker woman and I, I guess when she saw that maybe we were a day or two or three days late she'd come by the church and this is what she asked me pastor how are your tides doing excuse me she said "Well, how are your tides doing Didn't even know it was a tide. She's thinking it's a tide. I said, they're flowing in. (laughs) The tides are flowing in. (laughs) So anyway, I did not like $20,000 a month. And so uh, because of all the teachings that we have from all these great men and women, uh, I just started praying about it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Do you believe that with my help you can pay off? You can pay it off. I said, well, Lord, with your help, nothing's impossible. He said, don't ask your people to pay it off. Ask them that with my help, let's pay it off. And so I started going before the congregation, and I said, how many believe that, that we could pay pay the note off? And, and it was almost $2 million. And uh, how many believe that we could do it with God's help? And, yeah, yeah, pastor, I'm for you. Boy, I'm here, right behind you. And I said, well, how many of you believe you could write a check for a million dollars, huh? You'd see a few hands go up. And I said, Okay, we're just gonna believe that with God's help, not you, not you doing it, but God's gonna help us and we're gonna pay this off. How do you believe that? And people would we'd do it every Sunday. Every Sunday. How many believe with God's help we can pay this off? Yeah. The crowd got louder. How many believe you'll be able to write a bride check for a million dollars? More hands went up. More hands went up. And then we said, Okay, how do you spell million? M I L L I O N. We did it for six months. Six months, every Sunday. How many believe that with God's help, we can pay this off? This is my pancake story. (laughs) One Saturday morning, I'm eating pancakes at my house. And the phone rings. And it's it's a lady in our church, just a a lady in our church, and a good friend of Mary Jean's. And and, I said, hey, Jenny, how you doing? Fine, fine, fine. Hey, I'll go get Mary Jean. She said, I don't want Mary Jean. I want you. I said, okay, what's up? She said, how much do we owe on the church? I said, 1000 I mean, $177,640 and some cents. Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pay it off tomorrow. Now, now, stay with me. What's my expression? So, you're going to do that tomorrow? She said, yeah, I'm going to write you a check for one hundred and seventy seven thousand six hundred and forty dollars. Million. million. One million. And I said, Jenny, now you realize that we tithe. So if you write me a check for one million seven hundred and seventy seven thousand six hundred and forty dollars, I'm gonna write a check for one hundred and seventy seven thousand something to the people we Surveils and everybody. Yeah, I forgot. Okay, make it for two million. So Sunday morning, and it said, my we cashed it by the way, but I still have a copy of it on my we cashed it, and it's for two million dollars. Within ten days after that, we received another six hundred and seventy thousand dollars Amen amen how did how did this all happen? Well, I, I believe that back in nineteen seventy seven because God dealt with my pride, and I believe that the scriptures that that we've been given. But one day, in, in this, when this is all going on, right early in in nineteen uh, uh, you know, seventy seven, Acts chapter four, Peter and John are being thrown in jail because they're preaching the healing power of Jesus. Chapter four, verse starting 13, sixteen and seventeen. They throw them in jail and they say, you guys have got to quit speaking in the name of Jesus. We don't care if you heal people. We don't care if you do miracles. Don't do it in the name of Jesus. And they said, we can't do but what God has put on our heart to do. And you get to the statement. It says they finally said, we're going to, they beat them up. And then they said, now we're going to let you go. And the verse of Scripture, next verse of Scripture said, and they went to their own company. Listen to me. At that particular time, we were in an organization, a sweet organization. But on the side, (laughs) we're going to all these meetings, Copeland Conventions and Jerry Seville, and Jesse DePlanis, and, we're going there every time there's a meeting, a convention. We're going there. And, and we're, uh, Son Jack has uh, come to school up here. And God spoke to me and he said, and they went to their own company. And Lord spoke to me and he said, You need to get with your own company. So this was at almost the, begin- the end of a year, 76, and we were getting ready to renew our license with this other organization. Sweet organization. And Mary Jean and we said we got to get with we got to get with those that brung us. With we need to get with those that have caused changes in our life. So we resigned, and we asked Brother Jerry if we could if he would take us under. And that was in the beginning of the year. And in in, uh, 77, I think six months later, we paid off the church. Because we got with our own company. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. And it's been 30 years, and it's been, uh, wow. You just see how the Lord... uh, you just see how the Lord brings you along if you just... And man, you talk about ignorant. We were ignorant. You know, I, 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 after that pride situation ended, I found out that when I tried to be God, I was miserable at it. <laughs> you know, we all tried to be God before God. I figured I had everything under control. But we just thank God for, for uh, the organization, for the for the spirit that's in this organization, for the teaching. Uh, Folks, we we learn more in these two or three days that we're here than some people learn in a lifetime. And it's just uh, hear it, believe faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So I just say to everyone here, we're in a great place. And I agree with we ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. God bless you.
2: Amen. Give Pastor Jack a hand. Thank you, Pastor Jag, for years of faithfulness. Amen. Hallelujah. Instruct faithful men that they might impart to others also. Amen. Next, uh, was Dr. Los heart is to have uh, Pastor Jonathan Del Turco. Come on, give Pastor Jonathan Del Turco a hand as he comes up.
4: Well, good afternoon, everybody. And uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share a few thoughts with you today. Um, We were asked to... The question that was asked was, what things helped you grow your church? So I'm going to get that in a moment. Um, I first want to say thank you to the Savelles. Um, Brother Jerry was the first person to ever come to IFC. I'm north of Boston. Nobody wanted to come to New England. We were the frozen chosen. Um, So nobody wanted to go to New England. Nobody was going there on purpose. They they were were always going south to someplace warmer. And uh, met Brother Jerry at a meeting and... Uh, actually in, a, in an elevator, um, fell in love with him and somehow he fell in love with me and he was the first person that came to International Family Church. Him and Buddy Harrison were the only ones that would come to you know, New England. And uh, we love you. We do. We value you with all of our hearts. It's an it's honor and a privilege to be a part of this ministry. We've been in a relationship for over 30 years and um, honored that Brother Jerry is my pastor and uh, love you and your family. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your integrity, and your example, right? We can all say a big thank you to everything that you've done and shared. Our lives have never been the same because of it. Um, And you're part of the story. There's no doubt about it because you have seeds sown in this. Actually, today, International Family Church, the church I pastor, um, is 38 years old. Today's our birthday. Um, And you're saying, what? You, you don't look old enough to be pastoring a church for 38 years. That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, but 38 years, even in saying it, like say, what is that possible that we've been doing this for 38 years? Now I know not everyone is called to do that in one location for the rest of their lives, but we've ha- we've been honored and blessed and married to my wife for 43 years. We've been in the ministry 43 years, Our two children, they married awesome and five grandchildren. And they're all involved with us. And so it's a, it's a great experience. And, um, just a few minutes, I want to get right to the point. What things helped you grow your church? I mean, all of us have asked that question, haven't we? What is it? what's the key? What's, what's, what's the deal? What do I have to do? Uh, and there's so many different ideas and so many different thoughts, and I wanted to share a few that, that really resonate with me that I think will, will help you. Um, we've been blessed to see God do some amazing things uh, just north of Boston and, 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 and over all these years, and uh, that 's a whole nother story. But one of the things, the first things I had to learn was I had to continue to grow. If I wanted the church to grow, I had to grow. That I couldn't give any excuse. That I had to be the one to make a decision. So the greatest decision, the most important decision I ever made was to choose a life of growth. I had to realize that I made up my mind years ago, I was not going to be the lid of this church. I was not going to be the lid of this church. Now, the lid might be our building. The lid might be our location. The lid might be other things. But I purposed in my heart that I wouldn't be the lid. I purposed in my heart that I was going to to get the help I needed for all my insecurities, for all my self-doubts, all my fears, all my concerns and and cynical attitudes. Am I in the right house today? We're we're all going to be honest, right? Um, Every one of us deal with issues. But I realized that if I didn't deal with mine and in, the, in an open manner, in an honest way, that this church was never going to grow. Um, I, I decided years ago that I wouldn't be that lid. And here's what I've learned. That God loves shepherds too much to give them sheep they can't take care of. And God loves sheep too much to give them shepherds who don't have the capacity to take care of them. There's some wisdom there. And in order for... IFC to grow, International Family Church to grow, I know, I know I needed to be the first person to sign up for growth. That I needed to be a person that said, I, I will take my personal responsibility to improve myself. That I, I, I can't have free, victorious people if I'm not free and victorious. I can't be in that place where I'm extraordinary and, and, and I'm in that place of, of growing and, and experiencing the new that God has. For our church, if I'm not willing to be extraordinary, right? Uh, if I want free people, then I need to be free people. And if I, I, want to, I want people that respect me, then I need to learn how to some some different people skills. I mean, it all goes back to, and I understand we walk by faith, but oftentimes we know that even in walking by faith, there are certain things we have to do on purpose and intentionally, right, to be able to grow. And so that was my decision. And the bottom line, growth is not automatic. Amen. It can, you can be young only once, but you can be immature indefinitely. Right? Isn't that the truth? You can be young only once, but you can be immature indefinitely. Uh, and growth is not automatic. It's something you have to do intentionally, something you have to make up your mind for the rest of your life. You're going to be a lifelong learner for the rest of your life. You're going to be around people that help you grow. That's why we come here, right? That's why Brother Jerry's my pastor and, and, and why we're around people that have a growth mentality. And, and growth is, and I've learned that it's not automatic and it's my responsibility. I've got to do something about it. And so the best decision I made and the best decision I'm still making is that I choose to continue to grow. I've not stopped growing, um, and I'm going to continue to grow. And, uh, and I'm grateful for 43 years in ministry. But, man, I, we, Brother Jerry said it today. We haven't, seen the, we haven't seen the beginning of all that God has in store for us. And what an exciting time. So I want to challenge you. You be the first person to grow. You can't expect your people to grow and complain about their lack of growth if we're not also growing on a, on a consistent basis. Amen? Amen. Number two, I had to stop making a big deal about opposition. I had to stop making a big deal about opposition. Let me explain. The Lord gave me this verse years ago. It's familiar to you, 1 Corinthians 16 9. For a great and effectual door has opened up to me, and there are many adversaries. Ever quote that verse? Yeah, it's a it's an awesome verse. Especially that first part, you know, great and effective. I mean, those are, if you look up those two words, great and effective, I can't get into the details of it, but they're awesome words. The word great means unusually large in size and dimension, effective, valid or powerful, producing desired results. And man, that sounds like doors we want to walk through, right? Sounds like answers to prayer. Sounds like the extraordinary, Sounds like things that me we all want to experience and believe God for these great and effective doors to open up to us. Which one of us are not believing for those kinds of things? Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yes. And so the more I thought about it, the more I realized that if that's true, that this great and effective doors have opened up to us, why aren't more of us walking through those doors? Why aren't more of us experiencing those doors? Well, the reason for it, and the verse says it, right, is there are what? There are many what? Very, very, there are many adversaries. And here's what I've learned over the years. Opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. Think about that. The word adversaries also means opposition in other translations. And opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. Anybody who's ever told us that walking by faith would be a piece of cake lied to us? Anybody that ever said, walking by faith, you'll never have any trouble, lied to us. Anybody that said, walking by faith, you'll always have sweet people that won't stab you in the back, lied to us. That will never be hurt, never be disappointed, never have a broken heart, never have issues in our lives, never have something that, 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 that blew our, 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 our expectation out of the water and brokenhearted and on and on, right? We've all been there. We all have our war stories. Absolutely. And we don't focus on the war stories, but we've learned that opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. In fact, the bigger the opportunity, the greater potential for opposition. And the Lord spoke to me one day and said, I want to teach you how to live in over your head and enjoy it. Because the only way you're going to experience my highest and best is you've got to be in over your head for the rest of your life. And I realized that I... I, I I gulped pretty strongly at the time, and I thought, okay, um, well, let's do this, because I, I know what I see in my heart, and I know what I'm believing you for. And and when God opens a door, it'll be the right door, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a problem-free door. And the purpose of I, I me mean, saying that is a lot of people give up at their first flat tire. It's amazing. We hear from heaven, right? We hear God said certain things to do, and we take a certain step, and we get... The, the, the proverbial flat tire, and we'd say, what in the world, what did I do wrong? Something must happen. It must not be God's will. And said, so maybe it is God's will. You just need to fix the flat tire and put it back on and keep on moving. And for, for 38 years, what kept us steady and a steady effort to accomplish is the fact that the Lord helped me understand that I was making too much of a big deal about opposition. Here's a good example. I was complaining to the Lord one time, like you've never done that, and, and, and saying, Lord, why is it taking so long? Why is it so hard? What's the deal with this? Why, why is it seem it seems so difficult to, to believe you for this? It was one of those seasons where it wasn't very easy. And I um, am and complaining to the Lord and got quiet one day, and I heard the Lord say this to my heart. He said, the odds have always been against the righteous. The odds will always be against the righteous. Get over it. Get over it. And if we can't get over it, we're always going to be tripped up right before we go through that door. There's going to be somebody with a big mouth. There's going to be someone who's betraying us. There's going to be someone who's saying something foolish. There's going to be some kind of test of a lifetime, some kind of defining moment that if we're not prepared for, Right? Am I in the right room today? If we're not prepared for, we're gonna be blown out of the water and we're not gonna be experiencing God's highest and best. Amen. So the odds have always been against the righteous, and 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 we just make too big of a deal about opposition, right? And if you're gonna be out in the deep, you gotta expect some storms. If you're gonna go for the big fish. Right? You're going to have to experience some storms. But if you don't make the storm the issue, you make God, what God said in your heart the issue. That's the issue. The Lord said to his disciples, you know, the story is going to the other side. And they got all worried because of the storm. stormies a fishermen. They thought they were going to die. They've been in storms before. So this is quite a storm. Well, you know, they lost sight of what God said to them about the vision God put in their heart. And the vision needs to be bigger than the opposition. When I learned that lesson, life changed. When I learned that lesson, there was a lot more that I could handle because I realized that I was making too much of an issue about the opposition and the adversary, giving them way too much respect, and I wasn't experiencing what God wanted us to experience. Does that make sense to you today? Amen. So I needed to focus on growth. I needed to focus on making sure that, that I didn't make opposition the big deal, and I needed to focus on growing people. Growing people. See, we were just a few years old, and the Lord gave me this phrase that's become one of our philosophies of ministry at IFC. And it's simple as this it's it's not about building a great church, it's about building a great people. Amen. And and if you live that and people actually believe that they actually buy in and take ownership of what you're called to do because they believe that you really aren't making it about you and your position and your title. You're actually making it about other people. Amen. Amen. And I think that's so powerful when you realize it sounds so simple, but let me tell you, I've met more pastors over the years. I have the privilege of pastoring pastors and, and training leaders and, and so forth, and I'm honored to do it. But how many of us have met leaders that they use the people to build the vision? Right? Man, it's, it's rampant. We use the people to build the vision, and, and we had to learn that we don't use people to build a vision. The people are the vision. Don't ever use people to build a vision. They are the vision. Their growth, the, the plan of God, their passion, their purpose, their, their destiny. Amen? We, we don't use people to build a vision. The people are the vision. Amen? And so, Growing people makes a difference. And when you, when you help people understand there's greatness in them, it's not about building a great church, it's about building a great people. Man, they'll love you for the rest of your life. They'll stick with you through thick and thin. Why? Because they know you believe in them. And they know that, that, that you have their back. And they know that we're trying to bring out the best in you. It seems like a very small thing, but it's, it's huge. If people, people will always buy into you before they buy into your vision. And if they can't buy into you, they'll never buy into your vision. Jesus could have given you that vision; he could present it himself. That's that. But if they don't buy into you, they're not going to buy in to your vision. Amen. Amen. One last thing, real quick. Um, I want to stick within my time. Um, I had to make change, my friend. That's a hard one. I had to make change, my friend. And this was the end of 2010. Man, the church was, we were, to be honest, we were stuck. It was church of excellence. There was order. Um, you know, we were teaching the Word, and we were doing all, all the right things. But, man, peop, there weren't very many people getting saved. Um, it was not a fun season. And, and we were doing church, kind of going through the routine, lots of this Holy Ghost dissatisfaction satisfaction on the inside, my son, who's on staff with me, came to me one day at the end of 2010, never forget it, and he said, Dad, you realize that if we don't change, we're going to be a one-generational church? Man, that's like, ah. and it was so true. That if we didn't change, we were going to be a one-generational church. That's not what we're called to do. I didn't want to be a one-generational church. I didn't want to do that. It, see, it takes courage to listen to your sons, your daughters, your natural sons and daughters or your spiritual sons and daughters. I'm sure we have people here in this room that people have have spoken things to us that might be hard, things that might not be easy to listen to, but things that were so true about what God was doing. It takes courage to change. Amen. And see, if we're not careful, we can become victims of change instead of making sure that we... um, uh, initiate change. You can, you can be a victim of change or you can be initiate change. And we purpose in our heart that we were going to initiate change. That's not code for changing your doctrine. That's not code for going to something that's more fashionable or something that's more faddish. Absolutely not. I mean, these are my roots. My word of faith roots um, mean the world to me. So, so we knew the message wasn't going to change. But there was obviously a lot of other things that could change. And so we began to realize and began to understand. The Lord gave us this phrase that really helped us. We don't fear the future. We pioneer it. It's become a mantra of ours that, that, that you talked about being a pioneer. And uh, there's nothing worse than a pioneer becoming a settler. I'm not, I was not created to be pioneers, and neither were you. Amen. And we have to understand the difference between a pioneer and a settler. And that's why it's essential that we oversee change. And not be its victim, and it's unfortunate that so much of the church we're like twenty years behind the times. In in, in two thousand and eleven, we began to make some major changes to reach the next generation. Um, and today we are, thank God, four generations deep, and sixty different genera- sixty different nations in our church. Um, it's it's beautiful sight, as a piece of heaven on earth, amen. And and uh, and we're grateful for that, but we realized that that we had to learn. To not be afraid of change, and I, I used to kid around to say that the '90s called and they want their pink plastic flowers back, um, right? And and we, I hope you don't have any pink plastic flowers in your church. I'm sorry if you do. I'm not trying to offend you, um, but it was time to take down the flags. It was time to do something a little bit different, and uh, and to reach the next generation. And I'm grateful to say that the the, the biggest growth population of our church today is young family with children. That wasn't the way it was years ago, but thank God it is now. We can change, and the Lord can guide us and direct us on what to do so that we can change. But I promise you that if you'll focus on yourself to grow, and don't make storms such the big issue, and really learn to value people and make them the vision, and Always be willing to be a change agent. You'll never be the same, and God can do some great things in your life. Amen. Thank you.
2: Uh, thank God for those words of wisdom. Amen. Uh, Next is on Dr. Savell's heart to have uh, Pastor John Ben-Dixon come up. Um, uh, John Ben-Dixon, they were with the Rhema Church in South Africa for about 19 years, and they've been now with uh, Brother Jerry for 20 years, right? So, we welcome you, Pastor John. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well,
5: it's really an honor for me to be here today, and... uh, like everyone else, I must echo and say thank you to Ms. Carolyn and Brother Jerry. I have a great, great honor and respect, as I'm sure all of you do, for all of the stuff that they've been through. They pioneered and made a way for us. So we could walk in what we're walking in. Hallelujah. And uh, I feel, uh, you know, everything we've heard today, we, if we do everything we've heard today, From, you know, Brother Jack, Pastor Jack, and my brother that's just gone before me. You know, there's enough material there to live for the rest of our lives. (laughs) You know, Um, but I bring to you uh, that which I have, and praise the Lord for that. Uh, I was raised in the Assemblies of God Church just like Pastor Jack, I was raised in the Assemblies of God Church, very formal, and uh, I always knew in my heart there was something more, and, and I got introduced to the faith ministry, uh, and I call it a ministry, not a message, because it's the Word of God, and uh, I got to hear about it through, through Pastor Ray, Ray McCauley, Rayma, as I was there for 19 years, and I got introduced to... Many messages through Brother Jerry and Brother Kenneth Copeland and Brother Hagen at that time. Uh, I've been running a ministry together as a, with Brother Jerry in Africa for 20 years and run a Heritage of Faith Church Amen. for 20 years. And we celebrate our anniversary next year. We're a couple of months beyond Heritage of Faith Crowley, so praise the Lord. Uh, some of the things that I've learned about growing in ministry is the order of God is not necessarily the order of men. And if we want to keep growing in God and keep moving, we have to always have the order of God rather than the order of men. It's a funny thing that men always want to bring order to you And the order of men is always something that man has an opinion about. There is always an idea about it. There is always something that man has to say about it. There is always some kind of legal, some kind of argument, some kind of thing. But if we go with the order of God, then you can never get it wrong if you're always in the order of God. And if you're in the order of God, then you're hearing from God. And if you're hearing from God and you're in the order of God, then everything can flow from that. One of the really uh, great and important things in in our ministry and our life that God has established is uh, we had to recognize the order of God for us in the people that God had given us to be part of, and how we could best flow with that. And so, one of the things that really has changed us over the, over the more recent years is uh, a word that Brother Jerry had f- in 2014 and the Lord began to speak to me about recognizing who Brother Jerry is at the season of his life and, and what his ministry is doing. So as the order of God began to change, you have to begin to hear from God and flow with him regardless of what circumstances tell you. And, you know, for us, we live in South Africa and we are Jerry of ministries, Africa. That's part of our function is to help Brother Jerry and work with Brother Jerry into Africa. But I'm in Africa and it's a long way away. Anybody travel to Johannesburg, you know how many hours it takes to fly there. So I decided to bring some of our people to America. So in 2014 in October... On a Wednesday afternoon, we had uh, 10 or 12 people with us from South Africa. And Brother Jerry, um, the day before the minister's conference, on a Wednesday, Brother Jerry, we had the grace, the privilege of having some time with him. And he said this, The word of the Lord came to me. I will have a church that is without spot, blemish, and wrinkle. He told me, in 2014, the door opened. We have got a foot in the door, and we are going into the greater glory. It started in 2014, and we are in it. It's going to get momentum, but God's got to have a people who can use this. He he can use in this. And then he said this, it's not about how big your church or ministry is. It's about how much I am glorified. And so, you know, that is a word that has been part of our ministry. It's been part of our lives ever since then. It's not about how big your church is. It's about how much God is glorified in the church. It is interesting to me that in 2014, in a, in a meeting where uh, our South African people were with us, he spoke about this open door, this door that had opened. And now for 2020, he's talking about a new door. And so I think we have to be in a place where we've always got to have the order of God as part of our our number one thing. What's the order of God? The book of Colossians in chapter 2 verse 18 says, Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize. Insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels. Taking his stand on visions he claims he has seen. There are many many people that have got many things to say about vision and visions and churches and church growth and about many things. But if we make sure that God is the umpire of this and his word is always keeping us in order and connected to what he's doing, then we're going to be safe. Vainly puffed up by sensuous notions and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit. And not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by means of its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So the Lord wanted me to just share this with you. And he said, you've got to have Uh, an attitude of search and switch. You've got to have an attitude of search and switch. So you've always got to be searching in your heart and have an attitude that says, I'm reaching for the will of God. I'm reaching for the order of God. I'm reaching for the people that God has placed in my life. And I'm reaching and I'm searching for who the people is that God has asked me to minister to. And whenever you're in a situation where you are stuck, then you've stopped searching. And if you're ready to search, then you've got to be ready to switch. Because if you've been searching what you've been doing all the time, but you're now searching to what God's doing, then you've got to be ready to switch the minute He says, go here, do this, do that you got to be ready to switch, search and switch. And I, and I would say that over, over the last while, one of the things that God has really emphasized in our life is, is keep searching the deep things of God. I have a scripture here in, in Psalm chapter 77 verse 6. It says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. And my spirit makes diligent search. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's this thing in our heart, especially if you're a a leader and you're called by God to do something, then you've got to be in a place where you're ready to keep searching for the things of God. You've got to keep moving in the things of God. Keep searching for the things of God. And then you've got to have the boldness to switch. I really like what my brother said. You've got to be ready to change. You've got to be ready to grow all the time. You've got to be growing, growing, changing, growing. Search, search, search the deep things of God. Search what's in your heart and be ready to switch. I, uh, one of the things that the Lord put on my heart in the search and switch is if you're called, you've got to be cooperative. There are many people that are called but they're not cooperative. Cooperative. Because you can rely on your calling, but if you don't cooperate, then your calling is got nowhere to go. And your calling gets confused because you're not cooperating with what you're hearing in your searching. And if you're not searching, then your calling gets stuck. So you've got to search so you can cooperate. Because if you're cooperating, then your calling begins to work. And that always takes you to help people I was really it really touched me this morning when brother Jerry was talking about 2020 and he was talking about the extraordinary things of God and he began to talk about focus because the Lord said in your searching to switch you're either going to be focused or blurred and if you're if you've got focus about that you are in this position of searching then your vision's not blurred you know, because God is always going to be giving you the things that lead you to light, they lead you to truth, that lead you to the order of God. And if that's how God leads you, then you don't have to worry about the blurry stuff. God will take care of the blurry stuff. We get, uh, we get very taken up with the blurry stuff in the ministry and in life, don't we? I think what you called it is adversary, adversity. The, the stuff that's always against you. Those issues that are against you. You get caught up with the blurry stuff. Meantime, God's very clear with focus. In the search and switch, you have to decide whether you're going to be dependent on your gifting or your devotion. Because if you're dependent on your gifting then it's easy to go to your calling and your gifting and you can count on it. You can always depend on it because your gifting and your calling will always be there because God will never take it back. If he's called you and you have a gifting to go with it, he's always going to back you. But we have to decide whether we're going to be gifted and called or whether we're going to go and be devoted people. And First uh, Corinthians chapter three verse six, the Apostle Paul says, "I planted, Apollos watered, but God, all the while, was making it grow, and He gave the increase." And if we have to talk about growing a church, it's God that makes the increase. It's not us that brings the increase. It's God that makes the increase. If we are just searching the heart of God all the time, we're ready to change. We're ready to just switch. If God says, "Go here," switch if God says change the lights in the building switch if God says hand over the reins to someone else to do something different switch because if you're switching the way God tells you to switch before you know it you've moved from one position to another position and everything has been moving in the right direction because God has ordained it praise the Lord and then I've got two more points that I want to make. And the first one is, if you're a preacher, you must be a prayer. And you must be a sayer. You know, if you're a preacher, you must be a sayer. That doesn't mean you say you're preaching from the pulpit. That means you're saying what God wants you to say. And all the while, the word of God is coming out of your mouth. Brother Keith Moore put it so well this morning when he said, It's about the truth. It's about speaking truth, not facts, not reality. Sometimes you've got to confront those things, but the truth is the thing that actually makes us make um, movement. The truth will allow us to switch with confidence. Amen? Amen. So you've got to be a preacher, you've got to be a prayer, and you've got to be a sayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you quit saying and you quit praying, then you're just going to be a preacher. <laughs> and there's plenty of those around, you know but if you're a preacher and a prayer and a sayer, then you're always going to be switching wherever God is going to call you to switch, and your searching and your switching just flows with God like like a duck train tracks it's just going to keep taking you in the right direction and then finally, something that's was touched on by my brother here uh, is that every preacher, every leader, goes through death valleys. And so, you have to decide that it doesn't matter what moment you are in your life, whether you're at still waters or death valleys. you You must know that God will have a season where you're He's leading you by side, still waters. And you're eating green pastures. But He's the same shepherd when you're going through death valleys. Because the death valley is not something you stay at. It's not something that derails you. It's just something that you go through. And you get on the other side. And when you get on the other side, He's prepared a table for you. In the very presence of the enemies that try to derail you. Don't get stuck in death valleys. And also don't think that still waters will last forever. Because, you know, there's a time when you're in the in ministry and you think, oh, this, this is, feels good. This is so good. We're doing so good. And, you know, everything is so good. Can we just stay here for a little bit? And the Lord says, okay, stay here for a little bit. Just a little bit. But I've got to keep you moving. I've got to keep switching things up. I've got to keep you flowing. Got to keep you growing. Got to keep you moving. You've got to keep switching. Switch, switch, switch. Because in, you've got to let me search the deep things of God for you. And sometimes you go through a death valley. You think, How did I get here from Still Waters? You know, How did I get here? It was so good just six months ago, and now suddenly it's like everything's like, Whoa! Can I please go back to Still Waters? No, you got to go through the death valley so you can get to the table that God prepared for you, and the table that God prepares for you is so good. It's so awesome. It's so many good things on there. And it's right in the presence of everything that tried to defeat you. So if you keep preaching and praying and saying, if you keep just searching the things of God and delighting in the things of God, and you keep just all the time, you've got to search and switch. Just search and switch. And if you're in still waters, understand your searching is going to take you through Death Valley. But when you keep searching, it's going to take you through there and it's going to bring you to the table of good things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Carolyn.
2: Hallelujah. Such rich wisdom. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we praise you. We glorify you. Thank you, Father. We receive those words, Father, into our lives. We receive those words today. Thank you, Father, the words that came from each one of those ministers today, Lord, that that the things that jumped off into jumped out of our hearts, Father, that we would write those things down, Father, that we would meditate upon those things, because, Father, I believe that this was divine inspiration. I believe it was something that was ordained by our apostle, Dr. Savell, to have these men share wisdom, these faithful men to turn around and share with other faithful men, Thank you, Father, for the ministries that each one of us have been called to. Thank you, Father, for the, the callings that are upon each one of our lives, Lord. And now, Father, I, I thank you, Lord, that each person here, I declare that they will flourish in their calling. They will flourish in their ministries. They'll flourish in their marriages. They will flourish in everything that you've called them to do. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jack, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor John, <laughs> Jack, <laughs> Jonathan, and John, <laughs> and Jerry. <laughs> well, Jesus and Justin, <laughs> and Justin. You know, you know, I, you know, and, and the thing I love about the different people because all of them talked about adjustments they had to make. They had they had to make adjustments. And, you know, the changes. And I, I remember having a meeting with uh, Pastor John here and he said, you know what, I've read every one of John Maxwell's books and I've probably broken all of his laws. <laughs> and so that you can get married to a law, you can get married to a method on how this book says that or that book says that, but when God says, says do this. And it may be totally against every church growth model that's out there. But you know what? As a pastor, you stand before God to give an account for what you're called to do, not what Jack's to do or Pastor Jonathan or or John Mendixon. So the thing is, is don't try to model your, yes, glean from, learn from. But bottom line is you have to hear from heaven and make the changes that you have to make. You know, I I can be honest. I've I've been been to pretty much every single church growth conference. And they all have different things. And you can go to them and come back and try to implement in the church. But until it's a revelation from God to you, it will always fail. It will. And so the bottom line is it always comes back to hearing what God says to do and do it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Give God a hand for, for our time. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, there was one other thing on, uh, on Dr. Seville's heart, and, and you've seen us do this through the years, whether it be with Captain Rex and Lourdes and Jay and Valley Rant and in different ministries. But uh, there's usually ministries sometimes that God will place on Dr. heart that wants to let us know about what they're doing. And, and, and so I'm going um, to go ahead and show this video. about the thing with john maxwell and and the point was mainly mainly just talking about how how we make adjustments as god does but but anyway we believe in john maxwell and everything that he does and so great things into our lives and so thank you share your ministry with us
6: thank you so much thank you so much pastor justin you know 24 years ago priscilla and i walked through the doors of this building those double doors out there we had three small children My daughter, that's now 26, was two years old at the time, and I carried her in my arms. You remember that, Jack? I met many of you right here in this school. I just walked away from a 12-year career at NASA as a fuel engineer. But one of the things that transitioned my position, and one way that I made the switch, John was I started putting this tape by Kenneth Copeland in daily, The Word Prevails. And as I started renewing my thinking, it transformed me. And as I was transformed, I realized I'm not the same man. My desires are not the same. And as I was listening to that tape, Dr. and Mrs. Saffel were preparing this building For people like me and people like you to come to school here. And God was working all these things out at the same time. As we were doing things in Houston, Texas and North Carolina and wherever we may have been. God was at work here. While Dr. and Mrs. Savell were believing God for this building. Painting the building. Preparing it and getting it ready. And I was, I felt Fear. And I was shaking in my boots, but I remembered something Jesse Duplantis said on a tape. He said, when you feel fear, just say, praise God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And I just kept telling myself, praise God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And I wondered, how am I going to provide for my three children? I just left a career and I'm coming to Bible school. And my friends that I work with said, are you crazy? What are you doing? I said, I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I am sure the Bible is true. And I do believe I've heard from God that he's got a new thing going on. And I decided I had to forget the old things. Remember not the former things of old. Behold, I'm getting ready to do a new thing. And when we walked through those double doors, it was only because Dr. and Mrs. Savell opened the door of their heart. And because they opened the door of their heart to say yes to the Lord, we all said yes to the Lord, and we had a collision and a date with destiny right here in this building. And our lives were transformed in this building. And after spending four years in this building, of learning the things of the Spirit, being out on the streets of Fort Worth, Texas, I was not the same man. And recently, I was in my front yard. I was asking God, God, what's next? There's a switch coming. There's a switch coming. And I don't know what it is. And I was on the phone with a man. And he said, can you bring your leadership academy into the prison? And I said, let me pray about that. And I hung the phone up and I heard on the inside, when I was in prison, you came to see me. I said, that settles it right there. I heard a word from God. And I knew if God spoke to me, everything was going to be all right. I just The Lord was going to have to convince her next. (laughs) I knew what was coming. I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to talk to Priscilla next. So he said, I want you to go meet with this lieutenant colonel, USMC, Huntsville, Texas. He's inviting you to bring this in. He wants it in a maximum security unit. I said, couldn't it be a minimum security unit? And then I realized what unit he wanted me to go in. And I said, my God, that's the one I go out of the way to go around. Because when I drive by it, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And I think I would never want to go into that place. That's the last place I want to go. But that's me. But when God says, when I was in prison, you came to see me. I realize it's not me anymore. It's all him. And it's his assignment and it's his plan. I'm going to see him anyway. And so when I told Priscilla, we're going to meet a man. He's a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps. She says, how do you know this man? I said, I know this is God because my dad was a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps. And he passed away when I was 11. And I'm picking the baton back up. And I know this is the Lord because I told that man... I understand because I grew up... He said, son, are you a veteran? I said, oh, I grew up in boot camp. I was born... This boy was born in boot camp. I understand the military. And when my dad passed away, I went through about six years of darkness. And I had a lady that invited me to a July the 4th party. We pulled down the street and I could see all the cars with the flag flying in the front yard. The skies were blue on that July the 4th, 1980. I walked into this house and it was like deja vu. This was like the home I grew up in. After six years of darkness of my dad being gone, I heard laughter. I I felt joy. I felt love. I walked around the corner and I looked at Priscilla when she was 16 years old. We went on our first date that night. And this month, this month, this month, we celebrate 34 years of being married. But I've been switching. And I've been switching, John. And I I realized when I met Priscilla, this is a woman you need to marry. And because of that, God hooked me up and connected me. And she was willing to say, let's leave our careers and let's go here to JSMI. And JSMI prepared me for what we're doing today, the Leadership Academy. And my dad's name was Kent Langston Pate Sr. I'm a junior. And it's the KPM leadership academy so we're going into the prisons we started with 12 men we're up to 120 there's two new cities that we're going into in the first quarter of this year when i told priscilla what we were going to be doing she looked at me she says kent pate what do you have me doing now I said, well, Priscilla, this isn't God. I said, you've been to Africa. You've, you've, you've led witch doctors to the Lord. This couldn't be any worse. And about that time at this meeting, this lady looked at us and she says, honey, I hope you're ready to go where you're going because it's the darkest place you've ever been to in your life. And I remember Brother Copeland saying on a, on a tape, he said, you know, when you go into a dark place, he said, I mean dark. It's as dark as the inside of a cat. And I thought, well, we can turn on the light. That's what we'll do. And so we're seeing lives transform. We're seeing men's lives transform. We're seeing veterans. See, there's 8,200 veterans that are incarcerated in the state of Texas alone. 55% of them are diagnosed with PTSD. Some of our guys just tried to commit suicide right before we walked in, and they sat in one of our sessions and said, "We just tried to commit suicide." And I said, "God, this is too big for me. This looks like a job for El Should I?" And I looked over at Priscilla and I said, Pr- "Priscilla." me drink of water? Excuse me. I said, Priscilla, this looks like a job for El Should I? Are you? I'm not sure what to do with this. And you, you know what? I have watched Priscilla rise up with these veterans that are at the bottom of the barrel and have lost all hope. They have fought for our nation. Par- we're talking paratroopers. We're talking Navy SEALs. We're talking guys that raised their right hand and said, I'll go fight for this nation. I'm willing to give my life. And they came back after fighting for this nation, disoriented, disturbed, found themselves on alcohol and drugs, and ultimately incarcerated. And God has put us in the bottom of the barrel, and we're raising them up, and we're turning on the light, and we're seeing transformation. And it's only because of what I learned right here at J.S.M.I. School of World Evangelism. Priscilla's got a testimony. She's got to tell you of how Travis's life was transformed just the other day.
7: Thank you. Well, before I share that with you, I've got to share something with my mother in the faith. Um, 24 years ago, we came here to Bible school and I took a position that they had been believing God for eight months for the right person to sit in now, which is your beautiful lobby. But that used to be my office. And I sat on the other side of the glass and he was going to school and God had positioned me there to work to kind of help offset our costs for our three kids. Um, but I was blessed. They put a speaker inside my office. So I got to go to school, but I didn't have to take any tests, <laughs> but I got to listen to everything. And one day, Ms. Seville was in here and she was doing her class on prayer. And I had my speaker on and I was listening and Jack and I used to, he was running around all of here, even though he was a student taking care of things. And I was in there and, and he ran in there and I heard they were, she was praying for everyone. And so I was thinking, gosh, I wish I was in there. And so Jack came in and he said, "Miss Seville said, get in here. I said, me? He said, yeah, get in here. She wants to pray for you. I don't know if you remember this, but I came down this aisle and all I remember is I now I was a, a Lutheran girl, okay? I knew nothing about getting slain in the spirit. I knew nothing about speaking in tongues. I was just here out of obedience to follow after my husband. So here I was, and she stood about right here. And I came down that aisle. You ever feel like you're like in one of those time warps where everything just stops still? There was no talking. I didn't see anybody, all as I saw this lady standing here with the fire of God coming out of her eyes. And she said, Priscilla, come down here. And I stood here and I fell on that floor after she touched me because the first time I had felt the fire of God, the fire of God. And as I laid right there in that spot, I heard this, who shall I send? And I said, send me Lord. That day, my life was never the same. And so I have been on hiking up a mountain to Africa. I've been ministering Yeshua to Jewish Holocaust survivors in Budapest, Hungary. I have been inside of a teepee in a Cree Nation and on the Navajo reservation because I said, here I am, God. Just use me. So now, everybody say, now. My husband comes to me and says, I think the Lord wants us to go into a maximum security prison. Okay, everybody say, It's not about me. It's all about Him. So I had to tell myself, It's not about me, Lord. I was scared. I thought, I, I never saw myself going in a prison, ever, ever. But you know what? I knew it was God. And so when He told me, I just said, Well, okay here we go. Once again, how many of you know that ministry is scary <laughs> and we know that it's not us, it's all God. So I knew that my greatest blessings in my life were on the other side of my obedience. And so I chose that I would say, okay, once again, here I am God. And I remember laying right there and I said, here I am God, use me. So I went into a maximum security prison, me with all men, veterans, and I'm not a veteran with my husband. And I thought, God, now this is going to be good. This is the extraordinary because I don't know what I have to say to these guys. I don't even know how to relate, but God, you do. And so it has been the greatest blessing of my life. Pastors, I have found a solution for you in the prison, they show up, they're on time and they stay the whole service. So we have had the best time because when I go and Kent goes and we, they're there with their books ready, they've done their lesson and everything. It's really awesome. So it has been the greatest blessing. I can't tell you how my heart has been so full. can't I, the very thing that I told the Lord, Lord, that's for somebody else. Let Dove do that. She does a good job at that. Let somebody else do that. But God wanted us to do it. And so we've been obedient to do that, and we have seen lives change. Now I'm going to tell you about Travis real quick. I'll make it short. Travis was a young man. I have three kids, and two of mine are uh, 30-year-old males, two sons and i sat on the table one day and we were doing our class and travis came comes into our class it was one of our first classes and travis looked very despondent travis actually looked scary he came in and just stared just looked and i thought oh my gosh okay lord it is going to have to be all you so we started around the table and we do a facilitation and we're able to let them kind of interact and we tell them that transparency is what brings transformation so we asked them to be transparent so that particular day he he was not much of a talker didn't say anything now let me give you a little background for travis travis is probably about 30 three, 35 years old. He's serving a 40 year sentence and he has served 14 of those years as of today. He has a family, hasn't had no communication with his family. They've never even reached out to him. So he's been suicidal. He's been diagnosed as depressed and he is a young man with no hope because he declares that he's a pagan. We declare that he's a child of God. So we stood there and we went around the circle and it got to him and I asked the question, Travis, what is the limiting belief that is causing you from going forward in your life? And he looked down at the floor and he said that I'm unlovable and that I don't deserve love. That's what I did. We sat there and it was quiet. You could have heard a pin drop and I just, the Lord just gave me an idea and he said, I said, you know what? I just want to go around the table and I want your comrades to be able to tell you what they think about you. And it was so beautiful. Each one of them said, Travis, man, you're a born leader. Travis, you're smart. You're so smart. Travis, you're important to the veterans. We appreciate you and all that you do. And I asked him, I said, Travis, how does that make you feel? With no emotion, he looked down and he said, emotional. (laughs) That was his emotion, emotional. But then he said something, he said, I never, and he looked up, I never knew that anyone felt that way about me. From that day forward, guys, we gave him a new confession to say over himself, and we told him, I am enough. And I said, say it 50 times in the morning, say it 50 times at night. The next week we came back, Travis is not the same guy. Travis comes to the table, and Travis has got a smile on his face. Travis said, one of the guys said, Travis was actually smiling today, and he was laughing at lunch. He said, my therapist actually said, Travis, what has happened to you we know what's happening to travis god's love is what's happening to travis so that's just giving you a little bit of what god is doing in the prison and we're so grateful and thankful that god is using us to do the extraordinary there today we just wanted to take an opportunity each one of you got a flag that you had on your chair and yes we want to bless this, bless you with this but we want this to be Something that tangible that you can hold on to, that you can pray for these men who are in the prison. And we want also, Ken, I want you to maybe invite all of our veterans.
6: Yeah. You know, we want you also to just be reminded of this great nation and also be reminded of the veterans that served. And I know in this room we probably have veterans that have served. If you're a veteran in this room, would you please stand at this time? thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. God bless you. We honor you and we bless you and we thank you. You know, we know that freedom is not free, that it costs a price. And even the the red in this flag represents the blood And for us, it's the blood of Jesus Christ, but it's also the blood of soldiers that have said, I'll go to the far-flung corners of this world so that this can be the land of the free and the home of the brave. We need to pray for our nation. We need to believe God. And Priscilla and I are so thankful for the opportunity to stand before you today. We're so thankful that Dr. and Mrs. Seville said yes to the Lord and opened the door of their heart for J.S.M.I. School of World Evangelism, so we would have a place to come and be trained and then be sent out. We would not be doing what we're doing today, Ms. Savell, without your training and teaching, Brother Jerry, because our training was not just classroom. It was action-packed, and it, we were on the streets and we led about 35,000 people to the Lord that we knew of that were documented in four years. But we're on a mission. We're all on a mission together. and We got common DNA. We're not here by accident. We're stepping into the extraordinary. This is your day. Let's make it count. God bless you. Thank you.
2: Amen. Now, also, it was on the Savelle's heart as well, you know, with this. Um, we will be receiving a conference offering this, this evening, some of you have asked. But it's also in the heart for us to, to sow into this ministry. And so we're going to give you an opportunity right now to sow into this KPM Leadership Academy. excuse me, how you can do that is um, if you do text to give it's 84321 and you put the amount and then you do missions other than that you may have an envelope in the seat back in front of you and what we'll do is we'll make sure that one check goes to uh, the Kent Pate ministry to support what they're doing as they're continuing to expand this outreach and we know there's so many different ministries represented here and it's, it's impossible to honor each one or reveal each one that we come together but what I believe in Dr. Savell, that he hears from God and the, and they've had it in their heart that they've wanted you to be made aware of what they're doing. And because of that, we also want to give you an opportunity to sew into what they're doing. Amen. Hallelujah. So whether it be an envelope and you can make a check to HFCC or you can do the text to give eight, four, three, two, one, you can follow the prompts. And uh, when you do the amount, just make sure you do missions on the backside of that, and we'll make sure that we get them one check. All right, Hallelujah! Cash also works. And Jack, how do you spell million again? <laughs> Hallelujah! Thank you, Father. Mm. Give you a moment. Hallelujah! So into good ground. I've uh, Ken had finished uh, his second year in '98. I got here in '99. And so he actually came and he taught in one of my years, came and taught about evangelism. And I loved his fire and his passion and, and to share the gospel. Amen. Both of them were so great in how they served the Savelles and just watched them through the years, continue to serve the kingdom of God. Amen. Love on people. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray over this. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity as a group of ministers to sow into this leadership academy. Lord, I, I believe and, and sense your anointing on and what you've called them to do. I thank you, Father, that they are positioned. I thank you that you're going to, as their position, you're going to continue to promote what they're doing. Father, I thank you that this this academy and what they're doing will continue to expand and increase in every way. And Lord, we just count it a, a great opportunity and honor to sow into and be a part of causing their voice to go farther, to make their voice stronger in so many different ways. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you will get to receive the offering. Hallelujah. While they're receiving the offering, I have a few announcements for you. Um, you still have opportunity to uh, purchase the the messages of uh, this particular meeting if you uh, purchase the thumb drive you can pick those up directly after the service ends tonight um, but you have to do it within 30 minutes so make sure you do it right away because um, if not they're they need to sh- uh, shut down and clean up uh, immediately following the um, the the service tonight we're going to be having sandwiches next door so just encourage you to hang out and, and for a time of fellowship afterwards and so we we'll have fruit trays sandwich trays Different things like that. Um, so we can continue to connect uh, before everyone goes their separate ways. Um, also, as Dr. Savell said this morning, He'll be ministering on Sunday morning. Uh, uh, we do, do, do two services. Uh, I'll be doing the 9 o'clock service, and he does the 11 o'clock service. And um, if you haven't heard the first part of the word that he gave about um, about 2020, he spoke that towards the end of September. So you can go to our website, and you can go to um, SoundCloud, iTunes, or go to YouTube, and you can pull that out so you can hear the first part of that message about 2020, a y- year that God is opening a new door to bring about supernatural increase like never before. And so we're looking forward to it as a church family to hear uh, what he has uh, continued on that on, in 11 o'clock service on Sunday. Uh, also, don't forget about your renewal packets. If you get those in um, this afternoon, we can make sure you have that card before you leave. Uh, also, for those that are getting licensed or ordained, we'll be doing that uh, during the service this evening. And also, Dr. Savell will be bringing forth a word as well. So we're looking forward to that. Amen. Hallelujah think that's everything? Hallelujah. Man, love you guys. Have a good break and we'll see you at 645 for prayer.